Welcome to Women Igniting Change, the place to be for women leaders and decision makers who are passionate about changing the world and determined to act. I'm your host, Robin Jorgensen, former corporate executive, global speaker, and founder and CEO of Women Igniting Change. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, changemakers. Welcome back to Women Igniting Change. I am your host, Robin Jorgensen. And today I have the great privilege of having with me Gabrielle Claiborne. So let me tell you just a little bit about this extraordinary woman. Gabrielle Claiborne is co-founder and CEO of Transformation Journeys Worldwide, an inclusion training and consulting firm with a transgender focus. She travels extensively helping cutting edge organizations position themselves to not only attract but retain the best talent, foster collaborative working environments, which maximizes innovation, and directly impacts the bottom line by creating fully trans-inclusive cultures. She has an amazing book called Embrace Your Truth, A Journey of Authenticity, and a very moving TED Talk called Building Your Courage and Muscles. She has more awards and accolades on this bio than I can possibly list on this show. So we are going to include links to her bio, her book, and the TED Talk in the show notes. Gabrielle, welcome to the show. Robin, thank you for having me. I'm so excited about being here with you today. I am too. So share with us a little bit about your personal journey that led you to become an LGBTQ plus advocate and co-found Transformation Journeys Worldwide. How much time do we have, Robin? I know, right? We were just talking about this earlier, like how long is this show going to be? We're going to find out. You know, Robin, I have to share with you that this started at a very young age, and I didn't know what was starting at a very young age. And unfortunately for me, I didn't have, when I was like eight or nine years old, I didn't have the language or the context to understand what was going on in the background in my life, right? So I moved through life the way culture expected a straight cisgender man to move through life. Mm -hmm. I had a great education. I married a beautiful woman. We had three amazing children. I had a very successful career in the construction industry for 30 plus years and a very nice six-figure income. And to top it all off, I was a leader in a large, prestigious Atlanta church here. And so by all, all outward appearances, if you looked at my life, you would say this person has life by the tail. But in reality, I was living a life of turmoil because of this internal gender dilemma, which I still had no words to describe. But when I was 45 years old, I accidentally stumbled across the, a website showing pictures of trans women. And this was the first time that I seen anything like this. And immediately when I saw those images, I thought, that's me. Wow. So I spent the next five years doing online research, living between the exhilaration of knowing that's me and the despair of thinking I can never live my life as a woman. What would my family think? What would God think? Right. But after five years of living in this intense turmoil, I finally decided to get help. And it was then I had a life changing moment where I met myself for the very first time internally and externally aligned when this woman, this, this friend who had, well, she wasn't a friend, she became a friend, but this colleague of mine who had a business who actually dressed biological males as women, right? This is Ramona, right? This is Ramona. Yeah. yeah. So when I made an appointment with her on the day of the appointment, as I'm driving to her home, I was just a mess, Robin. But as, as she worked her magic over the next two to three hours, dressed me head to toe in my true feminine gender expression. 
And I saw myself in the mirror for the very first time. It was then I knew that was me. Well, this was the beginning of my journey of authenticity, Robin. This was 13 years ago. And this began, you know, the journey of coming out to my employer, coming out to my family, coming out to my faith community, coming out to my friends. And needless to say, life was turned upside down. There were, a lot of, there were a lot of relationships that were lost. There were a lot of relationships that were put on hold. There were a lot. I got fired from my job, you know. And so I was starting life over at 50. And I don't want to see anybody doing math in their head. <laughs> <laughs> nobody do the math. <laughs> yeah, nobody do the math. But this was the beginning of finding what was mine to do, Robin. And in those early years of my transition, I fell back on my entrepreneurial experience and started a cleaning company and a home renovation company. And I was very successful. I built two successful businesses as a trans woman in the early years of my transition. And I felt like I just needed to prove to myself that I could be, I could show up in this world as my authentic self and I could be okay. Unfortunately, not every trans person has that privilege that I have, right? Mm -hmm. So I leveraged that privilege and started those businesses. But the more I stepped into those vocational iterations, those vocational iterations no longer worked for me. Right. And because I always wanted to make a difference for my community, I strategized with a friend of mine who is now my business partner and roommate and best friend on what we can do together to advocate for members of my community that do not have access to the spaces that I had access to. Right. So that is when we had the idea of starting Transformation Journeys Worldwide. And that was eight years ago this year, right? Wow. And when we started that business eight years ago, it was a fledgling consultancy. There are those early years of anytime you're starting a business as an entrepreneur, you're taking huge risks. I'm sure you know that, Rob, in, in your educational journey, right? But eight years later, eight years later, we are now working with global organizations across the globe, helping them create cultures of belonging for trans and gender expansive folks. I love that. What are some of the common misconceptions or misunderstandings that organizations have around working with transgender, gender non-conforming and non-binary individuals within their company? Yeah, I think that a lot of times companies really don't understand the commitment and investment that it takes to create a true culture of belonging for all of their employees, including their trans and gender expansive and non-binary employees. And so consequently, we are uh, continuing uh, to invite our, our, our clients to understand that this is a journey, not a destination, right? right. You cannot have a 90-minute conversation about a topic as something as foundational about gender and expect that your culture is going to completely flip on their understanding and welcome trans and gender expansive folks into their into their workspace. So we have helped our organizations understand that this is a journey, not a destination. You not only have to be personally, culturally competent, 
but you also have to have, you have to be organizationally cultural competent. So you have to look at the policies. You have to look at your community engagement. You have to look at your communications and marketing. All of these different moving parts and pieces within an organization actually contribute to that culture of inclusion. So, you know, under, helping clients understand that this is a journey, not a destination, is one of the biggest misconceptions. Yeah, I love that because, you know, we both work in the organizational space and a lot of times organizations will approach us and I'm sure your company as well. And they almost want a one and done training. Yeah. And what you're talking about is a really immersive experience yes. throughout the entire organization versus just leadership and training. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, wow. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan, Robin. Me too. I hear you, yeah, sister. Right. And so I've also recognized that as organizations are stepping in this space, this DNI space around creating this culture of belonging, they have to be, they have to understand that one of the first places that they need to start is not helping folks learn what they can do, but helping folks learn who they can become. Right. Ooh, say that one more time for those in the back. Helping folks under helping organizations understand that it's not about helping their employees learn what they need to do, but they need to help their employees learn who they need to become. And part of the becoming is their most authentic self, right? So they have to foster an environment for authenticity and vulnerability in their workplace. And if they're not going to do this, then all of the work, all the investment that they're that they're in, in investing in all these initiatives that they're rolling out in hopes that it's going to change, have the change uh, that they're looking to have in their organization, they're going to wake up one day and they're going to say, okay, why is this not working for us, right? So I think there, I think organizations need to step back and reset on, you know, kind of what, how they're approaching this DNI work. Right. And this, this is one of the things, this is one of the reasons I've kind of stepped in the space around authentic leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Creating authentic leaders within your organization creates that space of courage and vulnerability where everyone feels like they can show up without fear of trepidation. Right. What are some of the tangible things that you bring into an organization to help them? Because I'm I'm making up that for a lot of organizations, this space is uncomfortable to talk about, to live in, to change the narrative around. So what are some of the tactical things that you do with organizations to help them navigate that? Great question, Robin. Uh, In one of our foundational trainings, uh, we have found the value of personal story because Mm -hmm. even though folks want to learn the language, which is very important to learn the language, you know, things to say, things not to say, the first step that we have found like we need to take is to create that connection of empathy with folks who, who don't really understand a lived experience that's different from their own. Right. So, a part of the conversations that we have is we bring personal story into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And when I share my story, what happens a lot of times is after I share my story, folks realize that, oh, my goodness, even though your lived experience is so is perceived to be so foreign from my own, we have more in common than not. I mean, I am a parent. I, I am a, a child to my parents. I'm a mentor. I'm an entrepreneur. I am a grandmother now, so I, I know, right? So I'm showing up. 
I, I know. I'm all about that. But, you know, it's all of these different uh, ways that we show up that ha- that are in common with each other as opposed to different. And when people understand that we have more in common than not, then they kind of let their guard down and they lean in and they get a little bit comfortable being uncomfortable in the spirit of learning to do and be better. And that's, we have found creating that personal connection is very important. The other thing that we have found important is to meet folks where they are. Mm. Everybody is on their different, in a different place on their journey of understanding around the complexity of journey of uh, gender. So we are, we are important. We are intentional in meeting folks where they are, creating an invitational conversation so they can feel safe leaning in and getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And when we do that, when we provide that safe space, folks tend to let their let go of their biases. They let go of their assumptions that they had about gender, and they start understanding that gender is a whole lot more complex than perhaps many of us were raised to believe. Yeah, I love that. How can the employees in the organization, so you bring a training in, you deliver the training over, you know, X number of months. How can employees continue to foster that culture of inclusivity and respectful work environments? They They have to understand that with anything that they're doing to create change in a workplace, it, it requires us to do our own work, right? So we encourage folks to do your own work. You know, not every trans and gender expansive or non-binary individual wants to stand up and help you educate them on their lived experience. Quite honestly, it gets burdensome for us. Right? I can imagine. Yeah. So doing your own work is going to be instrumental in creating not only your personal cultural competency, but that cultural that cultural belonging within your organization. And the good news, Robin, is there are so many resources out there available so folks can educate themselves. Excuse me. We have a resources. We have a resource page on our website at transformationjourneysww.com forward slash resources. It is uh, a well put together resource uh, page. My business partner actually ha- used to be a librarian, so she is well, very I handy. <laughs> right. She's very meticulous in cre- in creating this uh, impactful resource page. But there are a lot of other resources out there. But educate yourself because you can't rely on someone else to educate you on their personal lived experience. It's important to have the personal voice in the room, but on your own, you need to educate yourself. Yeah, I I love that. And to me, that's just trying to lean into your shared humanity. Yes. uh, Understanding others at a a deeper, more personal level and having the respect that there's different ways of living in this world and it may not look like yours. And that's yeah, okay. Exactly. And one way you can do that, Robin, is how we got connected on LinkedIn. You right. can connect with gender diverse folks and start hearing their stories and understanding the challenges and barriers that we face. Right. Mm-hmm. And that will open your eyes to a whole new world. Right. So another way that you can educate yourself, there's many different ways you can do that. Talk a little bit. You mentioned some of the barriers that you face. Um, I don't remember if this was in our LinkedIn dialogue or it was on your website, but you talked about a conversation with Linda where just you walking out the door in the morning and just living on with your day, there's multiple barriers that you face. Can you share a little bit of what those are just to educate our audience a little bit? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, that you brought that up, Robin, because we were doing, first of all, last month, June month was crazy for us work-wise, right? But we were preparing for a training with a global client last month, and she was doing some research and came across this term minority stress. And so what minority stress is the added layer of stress that marginalized, disenfranchised, underrepresented groups experience on top of the normal day stress that all of us experience. And the reason they experience this additional layer of stress is because of the multiple layers of intersections that they show up with, like race, ethnicity, gender identity, sexual orientation, you know, all those different intersections that we embody as human beings, right? Well, what she didn't understand is that every time I walk out of the door of our apartment, I experience that on a daily basis. And she said, and when I shared this with her, she said, what do you mean, Gabrielle? I don't understand. I said, Linda, you don't, what you don't understand is that every time I go out in public, every time I'm in a restaurant, right? I don't look people in the eye because I know if I do, I'm going to catch somebody laughing, making comments, snickering, or making jokes about me. Every time I go to the doctor's office, right, I brace myself for the worst in the event that it does happen so it doesn't shock me, right? (laughs) I don't do chit-chat with other women in the restroom for fear of being harassed in, in that space. You know, when I'm out in large areas, uh, large crowds, I always look for an escape route just in, in the event that I need something like that to keep myself safe. If, I'll, if I'm on public transportation, I keep to myself. So I'm not putting myself in a precarious situation. So when I shared these realities with her, it, it like, it opened her, her awareness up, right? And even though Linda has been my greatest uh, opponent, proponent and supporter and ally since we became friends almost 12 years ago now. She didn't understand what I was experiencing because she had not experienced them at a personal level to her. Right. And I, this is something that I've shared with folks is that when you, you have to understand that when someone who has more intersections that embodies more intersections that you do, you have to, that old cliche, you have to walk a mile in their shoes before you understand what they experience, right? And so when Linda recently experienced what I was experienced, when she saw someone doing to me what I told her people do, then her awareness of how I am treated every time I walk out the door, it, it carried her advocacy to a whole new level, right? And so what this invited her to do is to get Again, get away from doing things as opposed to connecting with creating a heart connection to her allyship, right? And to become a heart Mm -hmm. ally, not just an ally. And this has kind of allowed us to have a better understanding of what my lived experience is when I go out in public. And now when we do this, she's more mindful of how she can support me, right? And I think until we start understanding what people experience that we don't have the opportunity to experience because of our privilege, because of, you know, our access to certain spaces, right? We don't know what someone doesn't experience. So that's that's why we need to understand, you know, what you go through. What What is your experience so that I can understand how to support you in that? So that's that was part of that learning moment for her. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I 
it's heartbreaking to hear that you have to experience any of that in the world. Um, and I know it's, that's reality right now, sadly. Yeah. Well, so, because, because of the, the dynamic of our culture right now, Robin, you know? We're going to get into that in a minute, too. <laughs> so outside of organizations that you work with, can you give any tips for the average, you know, person walking down the street? You just did a little bit about kind of living a mile in your shoes and trying to look at things through a different lens yeah. other than the privileged lens that you walk through life with. Yeah. But what are some tangible ways that listeners can support transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming individuals in their own communities that they see? Well, one thing that they can do is they can... Uh, dispel the myth that we are mentally ill or there that this is a choice of ours to live as a you know the transgender lifestyle right this is not a lifestyle so they can dispel the myth that this is just who we are we are right. transgender people and this is just one aspect of who we are right being trans is just one part of who I of all the intersections that I embody right so under, push back on that myth right the importance of using pronouns everywhere Robin, you know, in your email signature, in, in if you have bios on your website, put pronouns there. When your introductions, put your pronouns there. Using your pronouns as a cisgender person shows a gender diverse individual that you understand the importance of our identity, right? And a lot of times you have to understand that you cannot make an assumption on someone's pronouns just by their visual presentation or their or their vocal register. Right. That can that can be misleading today. Right. Especially if someone uses they, them and theirs as their personal, right. their pronouns. Or if someone says, I don't use pronouns at all, just use my name. Right. Mm -hmm. So using pronouns everywhere is another great way to show allyship and support of the trans community. And I think another thing is understanding how to push back on offensive jokes and comments when they're made. You know, we are a. Per capita, we are a very small percentage of the population. So we need our, our cisgender allies and advocates to step up and advocate for us, whether you're in our presence or not, because you may not know you're in our presence or you're in a pre the presence of a parent of a trans child, right? Mm -hmm. So advocate for us in a way when we're not there or when we're there. And one way you can do this is if you're in a conversation with a group, and you hear someone say something that is, you know, to be offensive because you've done your own work educating you on the importance uh, or the complexity of gender. You can simply redirect, direct, redirect the conversation in a non-confrontational way. You know, interesting you pull that, bring that up because recently I was doing some research and I learned that. And just share one thing that you learned in your own educational journey with them. Wow. This redirects the conversation in a positive way holds that person accountable and helps elevate an educational moment there, right? That's another thing that you can do. So those are just a couple of things that you can do. I love that. I think this was on LinkedIn. You and I both commented on a post, and I don't recall the gentleman's name, but he was on a subway and he was yes. there with a colleague and someone threw a bottle at him. And just for simply being who he is sitting yeah. on a subway and everyone around the individual that harassed this person did and said nothing. Yes. Yes. That's heartbreaking. 
that's a missed opportunity, Robin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, here's the thing. I dare say that everyone in in earshot or eyeshot of that individual, they were waiting for someone to to speak up because when one person speaks up, that is the invitation for others to do the same thing. It just takes one, Robin. Right. And almost gives the other permission to then step up and say something as well. Yeah. So my challenge to folks who are listening in on this is you don't understand the ripple effect that you are setting, right? That ripple effect of doing nothing or that ripple effect of standing up and speaking up on someone's behalf. You don't know what kind of wake you're leaving behind you or permission you're giving to other folks. Yeah. And what wake do you want to leave behind you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you talk about how the work you do extends beyond the professional sphere and impacts society at large? Oh, yeah, I can tell you that one of the reasons I wrote my book and I and I did my TED talk, Robin, was because for 50 years of my life, I did not understand the power of authenticity. I thought I was living authentically, right? Because I was showing up in the way that my family, the culture that I was raised in, the expectations that culture had on me, I was showing up the way they expected me to show up. So I thought I was living authentically. Deep down, I knew something was awry, right? So the reason I wrote my book and gave my TED Talk is because I have learned that being purposeful, in your life is directly connected to the degree that you're willing to be authentic with yourself. And and until we start living our most authentic lives, whatever that looks like for you, it just so happens to be one of my aspects of being authentic is I'm a transgender woman, right? But whatever authenticity looks like for you, I encourage folks to really lean into that into that uh, calling, that heart calling, because mm-hmm. our hearts will not mislead us, Robin. And right. that's something that I learned the hard way. And the other thing that I learned in this journey of authenticity was the power or the impact that inauthenticity has on us. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when we talk about being authentic, living as our authentic self, we we kind of feel like, oh, I have time to do that. You know, I'm not just because I'm not paying attention to what my heart is calling me to do or calling me to be. I have time to do that. And while you have time to do that, you have to understand that with every inauthentic step you take, you're getting yourself in more debt. And we all know, a lot of us know, I know what it's like to be in debt. Getting in debt is like this. Getting out of debt, whole nother story. Right. The more you live authentic, the greater distance you create between those you love, those you work with and yourself. So I have spent because I lived inauthentically for 50 years of my life, Robin. I've spent the last 13 years of my life repairing the damages of the people that I love because I built my life on on deception and. And now I'm having to reconcile that. And it takes time. Not everybody turns on a dime and welcomes welcomes you back, right? right? So when you think about authenticity, also encourage folks to understand that there is an impact to living inauthentically. And even though those first courageous steps of being your authentic self are scary, 
I know because I remember my very first step of being my authentic self. With every step you take, you get a little stronger, a little more courageous, less, less stuck, more authentic. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So let's dive into the to the topic we were talking about earlier. So right now, at least here in the U.S., and we reach a global audience, yeah. there is a wave of discriminatory anti-LGBTQ plus bills right now. With the lion's share of them being anti-trans legislation, just FYI. No, thank you for that clarification. So earlier this month on our social media channels, we shared about the Equality Act and how people could help legislate that back into existence. What other legislative or policy issues related to LGBTQ plus rights do our listeners need to be aware of and how can they take action to support that group? Yeah, great question. Uh, First of all, the the anti-trans pieces of legislation that are top of mind right now are the attacks on youth uh, minors who are now being denied rights and access to gender affirming care, excuse me, gender affirming care. Also, you know, the attempt to uh, uh, erase athletes, trans athletes from pr- participating in the sport that aligns with their identity. Mm-hmm. And all of these things, Robin, all of these pieces of legislation, anti trans legislation, are built on fear and misunderstanding. And the thing is, is as these pieces of legislation sweep across the country, they're sweeping across our country because there is an intentional initiative to attack trans people because we are perceived as sick, as a choice, as a lifestyle, as someone that we're just, we're waking up one day and saying, this is who we are. What they don't know and what they're not willing to do is sit down across the table from us and have courageous conversations and listen to our stories and understand that many of us at a very young age knew this is who we are. But because of the barriers, because of the discrimination that, you know, trans, the trans community experiences, what do you think that's going to do to us, to our community? It's going to is going to attempt to make us run and hide, right? And not be visible. And so I think one of the things that we have to understand is that until you're until you sit down across the table from someone who has a different lived experience from you and get to know them, you're not going to understand the humanity in that person, right? right. And and what they're what they don't realize that they're doing is they're setting these children, these minors, these youth individuals up for an uh, increased suicide ideology, uh, uh, depression, anxiety, a number of different other minority uh, aspects of minority stress. And they don't even understand the price that this is going to pay later on down the road, right? Right. Because all of those challenges are going to overflow into the healthcare system when become adults, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. But guess what, Robin? I feel like, you know, as as those who are pushing this anti-LGBTQ plus legislation continue to get their way at the state level, they're not going to stop with the trans community. 
they're going to come after other marginalized communities. So this is one thing that I encourage folks to understand is that even though you don't feel like the anti-legislation, LGBTQ plus legislation is impacting you right now, you have to understand that it is not just us that they're attacking. They're eventually coming for everyone else. I mean, look at the abortion rights that, you know, happened last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are concerted attacks to folks who they're trying to keep suppressed, right? So if you don't think this is coming, if you don't think this is impact you, it's time to wake up because they're not done with just the level of legislation that is rolling out right now. And this is one reason that it's important to vote. Your vote matters, right? It's important to you not only to stand, understand that you're voting for yourself, but you're in vote, you're voting for someone else who has a different lived experience for you. So educate yourself on, uh, on your leaders that you're wanting to vote for. Where do they stand on the issues that are not only important to you, but important to your family member or your colleague at work, right? Voting is important. Getting in plugged into your LGBTQ advocacy organizations in your state. The National Center for Trans Equality is a great organization to reach out to. Human Rights Campaign, Land Illegal, uh, Out and Equal. All of these are organizations that you can get plugged into to stay uh, apprised of all the uh, anti-LGBTQ plus legislation that's sweeping our country and how you can be a part of the solution. Again, like I said earlier, we are a small percentage of the population and we need our allies to stand up for us and speak up for us. Well, that is a beautiful place to stop right there. Hashtag heart allies. <laughs> Hashtag I love that. Um, so we will have all of Gabrielle's contact information down in the show notes. Gabrielle, thank you so much. This has been an honor to have you on. And I so look forward to continuing our friendship. Thank you so much for listening to Women Igniting Change. I know creating change matters to you. If you enjoy what we talk about on the show, please take one action today and share it with someone who could benefit from listening. Until next time, keep standing up and speaking out for what matters.